Podcast. Hey, Gain Grow Retain community. This is Jeff. Just wanted to drop a quick note that today's episode is coming from our CSM office hours. We just launched it and it is every Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. It is really peer-driven, trying to connect customer success managers or individual contributors with one another around topics that will help them get more tactical, get more strategic, that will really just help them in their day-to-days. So it is a great first episode that we have and looking forward to doing more. If you're interested in signing up, just go ahead and shoot us a note. Uh, Jeff at customerimperative.com. Awesome. All right. So um, it's 1132. And if you are from our CS leadership office hours, uh, we typically like to start right around 1132 uh, and get things kicked off. And so uh, first of all, thank you all for showing up. Thank you for coming to our CSM office hours, which is uh, the first of what we hope to be many of these sessions. Um, we're going to go ahead and do a couple of quick things, give you a quick background about Game Grow Team, why we started this, why we're starting this call, um, what the, you know, hopefully the purpose is and what we're going to get out of today. Uh, and then we're going to dive into a group discussion. So um, this is going to be really peer-to-peer, connected uh, amongst you all. We're going to start to ask some questions. Um, hopefully nobody here is shy because we're going to start calling on people uh, for opinions, start calling on you for questions that uh, you might have around our topic today. Uh, so to kick things off, just to give you a quick backstory, uh, Jeff Brunsbach here. I've got my business partner, Jay Nathan, as well. Um, we ran a consulting firm called Customer Imperative for the last three years uh, geared towards customer success. Uh, we worked with over 60 businesses. We uh, did a ton of stuff in private equity and venture capital-backed firms, um, largely just around trying to help companies grow net retention um, and, and how they're moving about that target. Uh, starting this year, what we tried to do early on is, as COVID hit was um, start gain, grow, retain. So um, we wanted to just connect leaders to leaders, understand you know, what was happening with uh, your customers during this time how they were connecting, what the strategies they were using, how everything was being adapted. Um, and so we started Gain Grow Retain back in March. Um, it's got kind of three components to it right now. One is uh, a CS leadership office hours call. So um, some of you I know are familiar who are on the phone today, but uh, we really like to cover topics geared towards management, executives, leaders, uh, when it comes to, you know, how are you organizing your teams? Uh, what might you be thinking about in terms of uh, executive alignment? Um, how are you, you know, structuring KPIs and metrics? So um, we started that, uh, which is Thursdays at 11.30 every single week. The second component we have is a podcast. We release about three episodes a week um, and in the podcast form. It's been great. Jay and I really started that as a passion project and now it's um, taken a life of its own. We get a ton of awesome guests. We pull people from our community. We pull them from our networks. Um, again, kind of executives all the way down into individual contributors. Um, hopefully some interesting topics uh, on there. There's some great ones recently by Bob London, um, who is awesome. He's been nailing some great content around what types of questions are we asking our customers? How do we kind of uh, break the noise? And then the third part is gangrotain.com, which is our online community. So um, if you go to gangrotain.com, feel free to sign up. It's free and open community. Uh, it's a little bit more of your traditional online community where uh, you can ask questions, you can get perspective, you can comment uh, on posts there. Uh, but there's a ton of good stuff. We've got somewhere close to uh, growing to close to 5,000 members, uh, and it's pretty active every single day. Um, so those are the three components. And what we started to notice is that um, we got – especially me as the community manager, I got an overwhelming uh, response of CSMs reaching out saying, hey, can we do a CSM office hours call? I'd love to just connect with peers. Um, and so that's what we're going to try and do today. So this format can adapt over time. Uh, we kept it to about 150 invites, uh, figuring hopefully about 50 people would show up. Uh, I think I just told Jay I'd be happy with 40. We've got 48, which is awesome. There's probably some note takers in here and note taking apps, uh, which don't count, but we'll, uh, we'll remove those. Um, but what we want to try and do is, is make this something that's going to be uh, kind of foundational going forward. Hopefully this becomes a weekly occurrence. Um, hopefully I'm not going to be the one running these. I'm not, uh, I am, am a little bit removed from an individual contributor role and um, I'm not an expert and I don't want to necessarily uh, come across as one. But the idea behind today's call is um, to go through our topic, 
We're going to try and go uh, maybe elicit some questions about the topic, just things that people are curious about, uh, things that you want to know. Uh, we'll go do that for about five to 10 minutes, uh, kind of span the room. Uh, in the bottom right-hand corner, if you have the participant window up, uh, or if you click participants, if you have it up in the bottom right-hand corner, you should be able to see where it says raise hands. Um, so if you want to go ahead and talk and come off of mute, please raise your hands um, and we'll, we'll hopefully get a list of people and just start kind of um, clicking through there. If we don't have any raised hands, that's when I'm going to start uh, doing the old uh, teacher calling you type of trick and uh, just try and get some, some feedback from you all. So we're going to go five, 10 minutes, get some questions out of the way. And then hopefully what we'll do is after that, start to go through those questions, kind of hit on, on key topics that you guys are interested in. And the whole goal is, is to hear from one another. So uh, I'm not going to present any solutions. Hopefully I might have an opinion or two, but um, really we want to try and connect uh, you all with each other. So uh, if you hear a question, you have an idea that you think can solve that, or you, you've approached it in a different way. Uh, we want all opinions in the room. Um, so with that, Jay, did I miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. Sounds great, man. Good to see everybody. Awesome. So for today, the topic that we uh, had thrown out there was around, and I just lost my, my topic, uh, was around onboarding. And so um, what we wanted to take a look at today was how are you establishing and maintaining relationships during the onboarding process? I think this is one of the most challenging things we hear about, which is um, sales has established a relationship. Uh, typically, there might be an implementation and onboarding function uh, who needs to get involved, and then there is the CSM. How do we get involved? Um, how do we maintain and establish that relationship and then carry that through not only implementation, but moving on uh, going forward into the relationship and how we're uh, approaching. So um, some of the things that I would hope, you know, that we start to look at are just tactical things like how are we, how are we even knowing about who the contacts are? How do we research them? Uh, what sorts of, of ways are we bringing that to, to bear? So um, what I wanted to first try and do is maybe just open it up to the group. Uh, if you want to go ahead and raise your hands, but what what questions, uh, what challenges have you had? What questions do you have? Um, what do you want to throw out to the group that hopefully we can get into a discussion today just around uh, this whole idea of the onboarding process and establishing relationships? And I love it. Matt, Matt Vidala has already, uh, already knows, knows the trick. He's been to our leadership office hours call, but I love it. Uh, so Matt, you want to come off mute and maybe uh, give us your question or thought on uh, what you'd like to, to get out of today? Well, the question I thought I'd like to get out is, how's my audio? <laughs> Last I came into our meetings, uh, I know I was having some okay. issues. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> you were the one who definitely let me know I did some work in the time and uh, hopefully this comes out better. What I really want to post to the group, because it's come up a bunch of times, um, and I have been more than invigorated of the idea, and to your point, um, to your point, Jeff, is how early um, are our organizations introducing the CSM? I mean, I'm used to it being, as we've spoken a bunch of times, a post-sales role. However, I'm seeing it as truly a proactive role, but really proactive in the sense of, I want to, as the CEO of 5.9 put it uh, in a talk with the Insight CEO, I want to jump out and run at our customers. I really want to get to know all of you. So I really want to be there before even the sales process. I want to be there at the introductory uh, point to really get a sense of how to um, not embrace the challenge of how to kick off the relationship, but really be a part of it at its inception. So I'm really curious as to who's engaging with that, how that's working, uh, and how the various teams are uh, handling that. Awesome. I think that's a great question. So um, uh, I'm going to jot down just to, again to reference, I'm going to jot down these questions. Um, so Matt, appreciate that. Um, and what we'll do is after we get a number of questions, we'll kind of go back and then start to surface them, um, get some opinions, get some people around the room. So um, I love that question though. I think it's a really good one to, to try and, and help discuss today. See, see the different viewpoints. Uh, Travis Wheeler, looks like you've got your hand raised. You want to go ahead and come off mute and uh, give us what you're, you're thinking over there? Sure. Question for the group. Um, how do you maintain kind of the strategic role as a, C, a, C, a CSM, CDM? when you do get involved from the very, very beginning. So if you're overlaying during the sales process and then during the implementation, um, 
you know, we have implementation groups that manage the day-to-day. They're actually doing the functional, the change management. How do I make sure that I'm not the one doing those kind of mediocre, you know, very, very specific tasks. And then once they do go live, I take over the relationship. I don't want to be that person that's still being relied upon to do things that aren't strategic anymore. So, um, so yeah, that's my question with the group. Perfect. I think that's a great one too. Um, it's something that we come across often because if you think about the the trajectory the clients on, right? They, we, they've got a strategic conversation going in sales. We've got implementation onboarding, which typically typically can be tactical or technical. Um, and, and therefore, like, how do we keep that strategic conversation going? So I think it's a good yeah. question. And um, the moment actually, you lose that, I guess my question is the moment that you lose that strategic view with your customer, it's so much harder to get back. So, yeah. you know, what are the steps people are taking? Perfect. Uh, Jeremy, I think you've got your hand raised. Yeah. So I think mine, mine kind of dovetails off of Travis's question a little bit in just wanting to understand what other CSMs are doing to proactively build better internal relationships with sales as it relates to transitioning from signature of closing a deal to making sure that we start off on the right foot. Um, I, this conversation has certainly been talked about a lot on the CS leadership hours as well, but I'd be curious from a, a peer perspective to understand what you're doing to build relationships with your sales reps so that um, you're not being asked to cold reach out to a, a new customer, but having them uh, lay the framework of what the goals, what are the milestones, what are the customer that, why are they purchasing your, your product um, so that you can deliver the most value from day one, as opposed to uh, the sales rep saying, hey, here's your deal and go and do with it what you want. So I'd love to hear from folks on that. Awesome. That's perfect. So uh, what I wrote down though is just how do we, um, so how are we building internal relationships with sales? Uh, make sure that we can start to um, codify that transition easier, make sure we have an internal relationship established and that we can start to do warm handoffs, warm transitions with our customers. Perfect. Um, Nathan, looks like you were up next. Um, good to see you. Come, go ahead and come off mute and uh, let us know your question. Yeah, so mine's maybe a more of a broad question. Um, currently right now in the CSM world that I'm part of, uh, I'm dealing with enterprise level companies, so larger companies and smaller companies, mom and pop shops. Um, and so just kind of curious, are there two different processes about how you guys go to about onboarding? Uh, is that two different paths or is that like all the same? It's like, oh, everything gets treated the same on the onboarding side of things, handoff from sales to uh, implementation to customer success. Like, is that a universal thing or are you guys splitting those two things out or have any feedback there? Awesome. Uh, and you're just to, uh, confirm or clarify on that too, Nathan. So you, you currently right now have customers that are both enterprise and could be kind of mom and pop shops. And so you're right. actually getting them, you're, you're almost getting them simultaneously as well. So then you're trying to jump in context, which is like talking to an enterprise customer. Okay, perfect. Yep, That's helpful. Absolutely. Yep. And of course there's different business needs for both those, right? So uh, mom and pop shops are going to have different requirements or different requests um, than your really big companies that are like, you know, big engines, like it's running it smoothly and you can have more strategic account conversations with those. So yeah, just, there's a dichotomy there in my mind, at least. I'd be curious to know yeah. if everyone else sees that or if that's um, maybe a false, a false expectation I have. <laughs> I don't, I'm going gonna, gonna to go ahead and say I don't think it is, but uh, we'll, we'll see what everybody else says. Uh, awesome. I think it is Ruzel. Hopefully I pronounced your name right. Uh, but yes. Ruzel, do you want to? Awesome. Ruzel, yes. go ahead. Um, let us know what you're, you're thinking, what question you're hoping to get out of today. Right. Uh, so my question is, um, how early do you introduce success planning? And if you are like my organization that starts success outcomes call during onboarding, what challenges are you facing and how do you get the correct folks engaged in this type of conversation? Awesome. I like that a lot. Um, and you mentioned you currently, you guys currently have a uh, success planning process that you guys put every customer through. Is that accurate? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. Cool. All right. We're going to take one more and then we're going to start to go through and, and hopefully get some opinions from, from the group here. So Alex Wolpa, hopefully that's your last name correctly. Um, why don't you go ahead and come off mute and maybe give us what you're hoping to accomplish out of today. 
Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, so this this may be similar to Travis and, and Jeremy's question. So, so I apologize, but uh, just curious if if there are CSMs who handle both the onboarding and then the rest of the life cycle after they hit their uh, implementation milestones. And if so, how, how do you change the conversation or the communication um, to really reflect that they're done with onboarding and now you're more of a strategic partner with them? Awesome. I think it's a good, um, I don't think it's the same question, but uh, we're going to do a quick poll, maybe. Uh, I'm going to do this just by raising hands. So if you guys want to go to your participant window, uh, if, you, if you handle onboarding as well as the strategic customer success role for your company right now, go ahead and raise your hands. And I'm just going to do a quick math just to try and help get an answer for Alex there. All right, I think we've got maybe about a third, Alex. It seems like about 30% of people um, handle both onboarding and CSM duties right now um, from what I'm just, again, quick math. Uh, but hopefully that helps to give us some perspective as we go into to hearing some more opinions about that. Uh, but I think it's a good question to ask. So if you guys all want to lower your hands now, sorry, uh, quick exercise. I could have set up the polling feature, but that would have been too, too hard. So uh, awesome, we've got about five questions here. So what I'd love to do now is, is uh, throw out a question, again, kind of the, in the same way, if you want to come off of mute, uh, if you want to give your opinion, if you want to you know, talk about uh, if you think you have a, an answer or if you've got a perspective on how your company approaches it, we'd love for you to, to raise your hand, come off mute and, um, and give your, your thoughts. So uh, right now, let's, I think let's dive into maybe how early should we be introduced from the CSM perspective. Um, and so when you think about that question, maybe give us some perspective on you know, kind of where are you currently introduced uh, in the process? Um, do you think that should change kind of yes or no? Um, and how might it change or why might it change? Um, and so let's throw that out to the group right now. So thinking how early should, should we be introduced to the customer in the kind of sales onboarding customer success transition? Where should that really happen? I think it's Lissy Ann, is that right? You have your hand raised. I don't know if you're there though. All right, we're gonna, Travis, perfect. Sure, I'll throw it out there. So, I mean, I think that it sounds like most everybody would generally agree that earlier the better in any scenario. Um, I mean, especially because you're getting to listen into the value drivers that people are putting out there during their, their buying process and during also the implementation, figuring out what's new. So us personally, we, um, we do, when it's appropriate, get involved during the sales cycle and do an overview of our customer success organization, our supporting points, how we help people post go live, uh, and then during implementation, we really have two or three main touch points. We run um, as part of our implementation cycle, uh, given that it is an enterprise implementation. So we have SIs that do our implementations on our behalf, um, kind of a large enterprise model. Um, the CSM does get involved and run what we call success metrics workshops. So we requalify the sales points uh, directly with the executives at the customer, as well as the project team, and, and make sure that what they're going through during the implementation is in line with what they expected. And then uh, us as a CSM get to take those points and uh, build them into our, our value roadmap uh, down the road with the customers so we know what we're focusing on and not waiting to go live to figure out what's important. So a couple and touch the, points from sales through. Yeah, and, and how uh, right now just tactically, how does, the, how does that transition happen for you just with the sales rep? Is it, you know, are they introducing you via an email? Is it a phone call that they're saying, hey, here's your CSM? Like how does that, how does that kind of tactically typically happen right now? Yeah, we, we've gone through a couple different models of this and what we've done recently is working out the best, uh, and we had to get sales buy-in for this to happen. So our SVP and our CRO had to be, had to be good with supporting this. But um, you, you know, what, the moment the deal closes, if you're not involved during the sales cycle, the account executive is uh, in charge of setting up a meeting directly with their executive sponsor, not someone from the project team, but who made the decision, who signed off on the project. That's actually slowly becoming an agreed upon step that the salesperson has to do. Otherwise, 
Otherwise, they're gonna, you know, not gonna need some some talking to from their management as well. So um, that's been really key, and we're getting into the executive relationship because for us, there can be a bridge between signing your sales order form and signing your your partner SOW for implementation. So as a CSM, we want to maintain the executive relationship as as quickly as possible. Awesome. Um, and then Diana actually has a follow up question for you. I'm gonna ask you real quick, Travis. Um, I keep putting you on the spot, but um, <laughs> is that is that you mentioned that's for a kind of enterprise model that you guys have? Do you guys also have kind of a SMB model where you um, that that transition happens differently? And are you part of that team, or is that a different team in your organization right now? Kind of the SMB or mid market team. Uh, the way the way that we work, um, we do have three teams: uh, SMB, ACV is normally under seventy five to one hundred thousand dollars, and then mid market is normally above that, and enterprise is is in the seven figures normally. So. We do have all three teams and all three teams function the same. So all the way down, even if it's a, a 35 or 40,000 ACV deal, we want immediate engagement with the executive sponsor as high as we possibly can. And we're happy to get involved as soon as possible. Yep. Awesome. Perfect. Um, uh, Luis, I think I saw your hand up and then it went away. I don't know if you want to come off of mute and give some, some thoughts on uh, this question just around how early to get introduced as well, or if you wanted to, to hold, your, hold your moment for, for another time. Oh yeah, I, I can go. Nice to meet everyone. So uh, one thing that our company is kind of like iterating and changing, it used to be the traditional way, like a deal was closed. They brought us in, do like the handover and put us in the onboarding. But recently they've been like trying to test out, like offering a CSM as a plus before the deal is closed. Like if it's above the threshold where you get a CSM, like they would bring us in and introduce it like, hey, once the deal closes and if it's above X amount of money, like you'll get a dedicated strategic resource as a CSM. And like we've been seeing success with that. So I think that's the playbook that we're trying to figure out and how to like roll it out to the whole company. But I think that's, something that's new for me, like in the CSM and that I didn't thought it would have like a lot of leverage, but it, it is working out like in some deals, it's accelerating the deals. Like just positioning, like you're going to get an extra person in the account that's going to be your strategic partner. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, um, I like the idea of, of trying to find thresholds too. Um, I think, you know, uh, one of the things that at yeah, least so usually like you get a CSM above like a hundred thousand dollars. So yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that that's always tough for management to try and figure out, right, is, is how do we not um, kind of overburden CSM's time and, and, you know, not all deals are necessarily going to close. And so how how early can we really introduce you if we don't know the deal is going to close? And so there is this balance, though, that I think if you can find the right thresholds, if you can find the right stages in the pipeline as well, if you can if you can line with your sales team on like stages of the pipeline and saying, hey, once it hits this stage, it's a 90 percent, you know, that we're going to get this closed. Like maybe that's the time, you know, maybe that's the trigger to start helping us um, build that relationship. So I think we've also seen some of the, those aspects as well. Um, Jay, do you want to go ahead and uh, looks like you got your hand raised. Do you want to go ahead and come off mute and just talk talk through a little bit about this as well? Yep, sure, Jeff. Uh, thank you. Um, I think um, I would like to sort of offer a uh, slightly, maybe I, I don't know, it could be a different perspective or a premise. Um, well, I've, I've worked uh, in both these scenarios where it's been introduced uh, early, where I've been part of uh, sort of um, sort of pre-sales kind of activities where uh, we were introduced in my previous organization. I was with a company called Skinsoft. So, I was I was a part of those kind of deals as well, but not as a practice. Really, it was not a process, but it was uh, uh, chosen by the uh, the, the sales uh, you know management uh, when they require or they feel that uh, uh, an additional help from the CSM where uh, we introduce our activities and our value proposition, and that could sort of uh, uh, you know uh, create a better uh, sales process for them and and probably uh, close a sale uh, faster. And I have uh, uh, I've I've experienced that has happened also. I've had a few times that uh, uh, the sale actually becomes a little faster. I've had that experience. Um, and uh, uh, you know that that's one side of the story. And I've, I've, I'm now with uh, Oracle, and uh, here uh, it's a slightly different model uh, where we are introduced after the sales uh, is done, obviously because of the kind of uh, uh, you know sales life cycle that Oracle has. Um, is uh, is that ideal? Uh, you know to go in in 
uh, early uh, if you ask me yes and no uh, uh, i would say because uh, because of the practical aspect of it is what i feel because uh, it really depends on the kind of uh, uh, numbers uh, number of accounts that you have and the number of customers that you manage uh, because at times you know if you start working on post sale uh, actual value dri uh, driving activities uh, which is actually what uh, a csm does and if we try and drive certain uh, pre sales kind of activity uh, from a practical standpoint it becomes slightly difficult and that's what i said i'll, I'll give you a different perspective to us uh, would it be ideal to be introduced at the start yes it would be but uh, from a practical aspect would it be possible it could we could find it a little difficult uh, but actually manage uh, those uh, that's what i've seen uh, from my previous experience because it, it sort of puts you in because you do need to spend a little bit of time uh, because it is depending on the kind of uh, uh, you know uh, sales cycle that you have you may have to spend not just one one off meeting more than with the customer uh, to ensure that the sales uh, you know your person on the you know the architects or so on whoever is involved in it right so it sort of really depends yeah I think that, well, I think that the, the practical nature, like you mentioned, the, the practical side of it is the, the tough part, right? How do you put it into practice? Because um, you're going to be looking at having multiple CSNs potentially involved in deals. You have to partner with the sales organization to figure out like how that happens. Um, so I think that's that's the big the big challenge, right? Um, so I think that's a good point there, um, Jay. And I appreciate the examples that you you threw out there as well. Um, well, it's perfect. Let's maybe uh, I think we touched on it a little bit. Um, you know, how early should we be introduced? I think uh, to sum it up, right? It sounds like there's kind of different ways to think about that, Luis mentioned the way of, of uh, getting introduced earlier based on thresholds that you might have. Travis mentioned from his enterprise thing, from his enterprise side, uh, you know, they've got, uh, they've got some ways to bring in CSMs, uh, you know, earlier in that conversation and try and make it strategic where it can be uh, kind of follow along with some of the, the other elements. Uh, so let's move on maybe to hit on a second question, which is um, I want to kind of tie these two together. Uh, but how do you, how do you maintain the strategic role during that implementation implementation side? So, um, think about maybe traditionally going from the sales organization, we're going to be going into an implementation that maybe is a little bit more technical. Uh, you're getting, you know, a little bit more into the weeds of, of configuration of what we need from the client in terms of, you know, to accomplish that, um, that implementation. And so as we're moving and transitioning into that, how are you maintaining a strategic conversation with the customer? Um, and how are you aligning with that implementation resource? I think is the, the second question there uh, to think about. So it uh, looks like we've got Kartik. If you want to go ahead and come off of mute and give us uh, some of your perspective on that question, and then we'll, we'll look to see if there's anybody else. Sure. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, so what uh, we are practicing at uh, Instant is uh, it is very, we found that it is very crucial to keep the customers involved during the entire onboarding process. Uh, so one of the things that we do is uh, right after the intro call, uh, we get on uh, we get on a call to share uh, to share an, uh, to share a, a checklist for onboarding, uh, where we have clearly listed out tasks which are uh, uh, for which we are responsible and the tasks for which the customers are responsible. So this help. This has actually helped us in, in uh, you know, gaining clarity on both sides, and uh, to also to uh, you know follow up on action items and uh, you know make sure things are moving fast ahead. Got it. I like it. Um, and so when you Kartik, when you think about that, um, are you engaging with kind of executive stakeholders as well as individual users, or kind of the champion who's going to be setting up the the product as well? Is that how you're looking at keeping everyone engaged through that onboarding process? Uh, so there are multiple steps to this. Uh, uh, when it comes to driving the whole uh, vision part of it, that is where the champions and the executives are involved. Uh, but uh, when it comes to the implementation, uh, the the technical implementation part of it, that is where the champions really take lead. And uh, when it comes to uh, and and then uh, we also have a separate uh, kind of training for uh, the product users. So there is engagement at all different levels. Got it. And is that? Is that coordination typically happening from the CSM? So is the, you know, is the CSM helping to kind of quarterback 
you know, what type of, of training that the core users are getting, uh, you know, are they, are they helping to coordinate with the implementation lead about the, you know, getting the champion involved and then they're kind of maintaining that executive stakeholder relationship. Is that how it typically works? Uh, usually uh, what I found is, uh, you know, working with the champion becomes very easy uh, because uh, they're, they're able to coordinate, uh, you know, things on which the, the executives need to be involved and things where only the users need to be involved. So that coordination with the champion is, is working out pretty well. Got it. Perfect. That's a good example. Um, I don't see any other hands raised right now, so I'm going to start uh, doing the old face of squares and start calling on a few people. Um, and if, if I know you from, from uh, you know, other places, then you're probably more likely to get picked on a little bit. Um, but I think, the, again, kind of going back, the, the, I think the interesting question to ask is just how, how are we aligning with that implementation resource during this, this time? They're thinking technically, they're thinking about configuration um, and trying to get uh, you know, into the product and making sure that we get everything that we need. Uh, but how are we maintaining that strategic relationship alongside of that? So um, I'm going to go ahead and ask maybe Diana, if you don't mind coming off of mute and talking a little bit about some experiences you might have had. Um, you know, how have you looked at that process uh, internally at your organization? Yeah, so actually someone asked the question earlier about like, you know, which CSMs also do onboarding. And I have done a little bit of both doing onboarding and also taking on the strategic aspect afterwards. And one, I find that the, the relationship's just much better there, but there is also this um, this notion that I'm like the product expert because I did the onboarding part. And so uh, when it comes to things like implementation, I'm always being tasked with those sorts of questions. So um, to that, it's really just trying to have some clarity around like, hey, look, this is, this is what I'm here for, um, being a little more futuristic and thinking about adoption and thinking about your goals. Um, but there is this additional person that I can introduce you to to get you up and running with other, other things that you might need that are a little more technical or that just really live in a, in a more um, kind of support world. So that's something that I've seen. Yeah, is there, um, maybe just to tack onto that too, is there any, any way, I know you've you mentioned you kind of had it both ways, is there any way that you've kind of found to keep executive stakeholders involved during that process? Is there anything that you've just found in your career that's helped to keep them engaged, keep them you know, kind of involved in the sense that like they actually care about you know, the implementation going well and, and trying to get them uh, still focused on where the business is going and how we can help them accomplish that? Is there anything that you've picked up along the way? Um, yeah, kind of. So one of the things that I've done, um, and actually worked well in a last, uh, account that I took over, um, was around just trying to get to know more of who is on that executive level and by kind of doing more of the research, um, and kind of it sounds awful, but, you know, kind of like playing to their egos a little bit. Um, and, and that, that's kind of, that's my approach with the, with executive, uh, team members and it, it works well, it has not, not worked, um, to this point. So, that's what I do. So for example, like the last person um, that I did this with, I knew that they were a hard cookie to crack. Like the, oh, the onboarding manager was just like, this person's going to be really tough. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be tough, but I'm warning you now kind of thing. So the, the strategy that I use was go into LinkedIn, read up on what this person has done in their past. What are the things that they're, you know, highlighting in their bio that they, they're like the pros at. And then, um, yeah, just speaking to that when, when we do have that transition or when we do have that conversation, um, and, you know, it's been three months that I've had this account now and they've been very nice to me. So it's, it's been that's a good awesome. relationship. Yeah, I think that's such a good, um, again, I know if we have 10,000 accounts, we can't necessarily go do that um, every time. But I think largely if we have the time, that's, I think that's such a good, good way to do it. Um, I actually saw there's a, a really good technique that I've seen recently uh, about trying to use in the interview process. And what they said was, you know, go research your interviewers like very in depth because the first five minutes are normally really memorable. The last five minutes are, are usually really memorable as well. And so if you can make that first five minutes really memorable, you can talk about the things they're interested in, the things that they've called out um, and, and kind of highlight the thing, you know, how you can uh, kind of buy into that, then um, it's going to go well for you in the interview, hopefully. So I think thinking about that in the same way, though, is like, 
hey, I'm meeting this person for the first time. Like, how can I quickly establish a relationship in a very short amount of time? Um, and doing the research sometimes is, is such a, a quick and easy way that you can um, you can hopefully do that. So I like that. That's a really good tactical way. Uh, Travis, you're quickly becoming my. I'm gonna I'm, now I'm gonna call on you a lot, even if you don't have your hand raised. I know you like to talk. Yeah, sorry guys. Uh, this was my question, so I wanted to maybe make it a little bit easier um, and and kind of go more specific. And anybody's experiences on when they get their own executives or their own management involved during the implementation or post go live process to reiterate the CSM role. I guess that could be kind of a, a more finite question to this broader one. I like that one a lot. So um, really centered around how are we reinforcing the value of, of a CSM and what your role is going to be going forward and not necessarily having it come from your mouth directly, come from you know somebody else in the organization, hopefully uh, your champion from your side of things, or even just the sales rep. I think that's the other interesting part too, is you know, do, does sales understand like how to, how to position and introduce the CSM role um, to a customer effectively? Uh, looks like Nathan, you've got something to add there. Yeah, so I know that that's actually what you just said is exactly what our team has been working with our sales team to do, and that is introduce us via the sales team introducing us and outlining what we are doing and what we're responsible for and what we're not responsible for um, and really trying to break down, especially for our enterprise uh, customers, uh, when to come directly to a CSM as opposed to support or technical or implementation um, and really kind of trying to really outline that very carefully for them and the executive team, um, but then also down into your champion and into your users uh, so that by the time we actually get introduced, we're actually talking with them. There's a clear expectation of what we are supposed to be doing. Um, we're not just we're not just like, hey, we're a catch off or anything. And I also say the other thing that I've run into, and I'm kind of curious to maybe know other people's thoughts on this, is that most of my CSM team has come out of support, and so they have a little bit of that mentality of like, I'm here to support you guys, and so they still sometimes slip into that um, kind of mentality of like, yeah, I'm actually technically aware enough of our product to be able to answer that question, but I, I shouldn't, right? <laughs> like that's, I actually do want to hand you off, even though that might seem a little clunky at times, I actually do want to hand you off to support because that's what they're focused on, and I should be focused on something else. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely a balance. It's not always easy. It doesn't always go off without a hitch. We definitely have a, a little bit of a rub if it doesn't happen properly. Um, that introduction, though, is Again, our goal is to get it done as soon as possible and set those expectations for our customers. Yeah. Well, it, it, um, I always like to, I'm a big sports nerd, so I always, always like to equate it to um, a team, right? And in the team, um, with like a basketball team, for instance, like you have five players on a court at a time and they're all not doing the same thing, right? They're all doing very different things that they've got different skill sets they bring to the table harmoniously. It works together, you know, they can win. And so that's the, the way I always think about SaaS, right? You're bringing different people to help make the customer as successful as possible. And they've all each got a different skill set and each one needs to know the role they're playing and why they're playing it, um, which I think is the why sometimes might lose factor. But I think that goes to your point, Nathan, um, as well. Um, Laura, looks like you've, you've had your hand raised for a minute here. Did you want to comment on, on Travis's question or are you looking to, to hit on something else? Well, actually, I'm going to comment on two things. That were I like it. Said. I love it. The first about the um, support and the pass off and, you know, staying in your strategic lane. I, I do think um, it's important to stay in that lane because otherwise you will never get out of it and you will be that person the whole time. But I, I, they're going to come to you because if you are doing your job well, you're going to be the first person they think of because you're their success person and you're, you know, managing this plan. So I think, you know, the first couple of times things like that happen, I think you do answer their question. Nothing is more annoying than having something that needs to happen right away and then saying, well, yeah, I'm not, you know, however nicely you do it, it's just annoying to the person on the other side. So I think you really have to be aware of that and, you know, set, reset the direction, but also help them, you know, the first time or the second time, because, you know, ultimately we want them to be happy and we want that, you know, them to be successful with that, in, in my opinion. 
Um, yeah. The other thing about the executive relationships, I think we need to be very careful or very sure, not careful, uh, to that we are providing value in our communication to the executive, right? I mean, we're, everybody's busy. I mean, that's a stupid statement, but everybody's busy. But if you're wanting to culminate, you know, have that relationship with the executive level folks so that you are doing, you know, they come to you if they have a question, they, they're having more and more buy-in, then every communication with them needs to be giving them something that relates to them, whether, you know, it's the objective for their department, whether it's corporate objective. I mean, even if you're just, you know, going along and now we've been, a, we've been doing this for six months, how, how does this relate to their success? Then they're going to listen to you. And, and it can be hard to do that. And I think all those things play into it, but I think it's very important to keep track of that as well. Yeah. I love that point you made uh, about the value piece um, because I think that's something that um, Jay and I talk about a ton, which is um, also how can you um, just bring value to the relationship outside of your products? And I think that is a, a huge element to be thinking about when you're talking to executives, right? Is um, their, your, your product might be a piece of what is going to help them accomplish their goals. And so, you know, largely let's say that our, our product is 10%, 20% of what they're going to go accomplish. Like, yes, we want to be giving them value in the 10 to 20% that we're impacting, but how can we also help impact the 80% that we're, you know, our product maybe isn't directly involved in. So um, like, what's the type of content we can give them that helps them do their job better is basically the, the question to be thinking about or make better decisions for the company. What data in the industry do we have that we can be, um, you know, available and give to them that is, is widely uh, open. So I think there's a ton of different ways, but I like the way you just mentioned the, the whole idea around, um, you know, value and, and trying to drive that, especially with the executive, because they're going to be quick. They're going to want to move on. Uh, and it's, you know, just a, a state of their day. Um, you know, you can ask Jay, we just started a new company two weeks ago and I can tell you, uh, I can tell you on a single hand, the openings that Jay's had in his calendar, right? So uh, just trying to make sure that we're being effective with the, the communication as well. Uh, the other piece that I just want to call out, which I thought was a good conversation in the chat, and this is actually a point that Jay just mentioned as well. Um, and Nathan, I think this goes back to what you were mentioning and um, a little bit about what Travis was talking about. So uh, one thing Jay mentioned is, is getting, you know, sometimes when we answer the question directly for the customer, we actually lose out on some valuable data that we need to understand what types of requests are coming into, the, are coming into our support queue, um, how fast we're answering those, you know, where it might be uh, applied to. And so uh, thinking about that as well, if there might be some, some items that we lose out on if we don't actually go through the proper channels to submit a support ticket, get that taken care of, um, that, you know, the management and executive teams are thinking about um, as well. So um, Gabriel, looks like you've had your hand raised. Good to see you. Another CS Leadership Office Hours friend. How's it going? Yeah, no, good to be on. Want to quickly give Jeremy a shout out because I have to do squats with my kids all the time too. <laughs> so I uh, wanted to touch on the, you know, handling the conversation with, with the client when, you know, you're doing onboarding implementation and then the post, uh, post onboarding life of, of the customer. Um, so I agree that other teams have to do their part in clarifying what our role is and what that looks like. I agree, but I think also we can do that part as well. And I find that I'm put in positions a lot where I do do that just to make sure that, and there's a way where you can do it, where you can explain to them what the benefits are to the client in understanding what the different teams are and who they should be reaching out to depending on their needs. And, and in our case, um, because of the industry we're in, we have multiple client facing teams and depending on their needs, they don't necessarily have to come to me. So, you know, I always explain that if you have this kind of question, I have, I have like this list of four groups. So it's like for this, you email here, for this, you email here. And I always say, when in doubt, CC me. When in doubt, you know, include me and I'll help forward that or I'll help move it to someone else. 
Um, but if you keep this in mind, then it's going to ensure that you get the quickest response possible and the quickest resolution possible to your issue. So I think we can definitely do our piece in just communicating that with them and giving them their expectations. And I always say, I, I don't want you to wait hours if I'm traveling or I'm out of the office or something might happen, you know, you don't notice it. So I kind of spin it in that sense. Um, and then I agree with what Laura was saying that, and I say this to my team all the time, is that if it's not our job, but we can do it, let, let's do it. Okay, like if it's within, if you can't do it, you can explain to the client, listen, I'm, I'm sorry, I've said sometimes like I'm stuck in a meeting where I'm back to backs, but I'm forwarding this to someone that can help you, right? Um, but if we do have the capability and the time to do it, then let's do it and find a way strategically, right? And also depending on the relationship you have with them, to say that this is not part of my regular tasks, but I see the urgency or the need for it. And so I want to accomplish it. And I've had some relationships with people where I've been able to, I'm very, you know, confident there with them. Like, you know, I usually don't handle this. Um, but I understand what's going on right now. I'm going to help you with this, but just next time, here's the people you should reach out to. You know, so you kind of do both where you educate them on who they should go to, but then you also meet their need there and show them that you value and understand the urgency or the need behind whatever they're bringing. Um, so I just want to touch on that because that's something we have to do a lot. Um, yeah, that was my piece. I was on mute. Um, so I think the, the point that you just brought up though is interesting, right? There's, there is a, a fact that I can't answer that question or maybe I shouldn't be answering that question, but I also can create a good experience for you. So uh, for me, you know, I think this goes back to Laura's, points, Laura's point as well. Like for me to respond to you and just say, hey, this is how you go handle it. Uh, I think is, you know, not necessarily being customer centric, right? Being customer centric might be saying, hey, I'm gonna forward this on. I've already submitted a ticket for you. Here's how you go do that again and reinforce the process. And again, thinking about the experience and the journey that you're, you're keeping with your customers. So I think that's the, the big one uh, to think about there. I know we've got a couple yeah, one, of hand one follow up there oh, yeah. with product usage, right? Because sometimes the customer will email you and they want to you they want you to do things for them that they should be able to do within the system or within the product. And so that can also be a point of education where I'll do part of it maybe and then show you where you can do the rest. Or you know, there's different things you can implement there, but you're still focusing on the experience. Yeah, definitely. I know we've got a couple of hand, hands raised, but I'm gonna switch questions just so we can get through the last couple. We've got, we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, and so I think the, the question that came up earlier that was uh, interesting as well was around how early should we, should we be doing success planning? Um, and so I think if you have an opinion around this one, it'd be great. If you do success planning now, we'd love to hear about it um, and how you guys facilitate that. And then just thinking about how early should that be introduced in the process? Um, where, where have you found that effective in terms of just getting your executive key stakeholders involved? Uh, it looks like Sean, I think you have your hand raised if you're still there. You wanna come off mute? Yeah, hey guys. It was actually in regards to the previous question, but happy to speak to uh, success plans. They're certainly one of my favorite topics to talk about. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, so, uh, hit on success plans if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, each company I think is a little bit different, right? I'll, I'll maybe speak to my most uh, you know, recent you know, company where, you know, in all honesty, you know, my role you know, quickly turned to uh, you know, player coach quite quickly since we were a couple of folks down shortly after I joined. And for us, it was extremely important to make sure that we had as much context as possible coming out of the, uh, all of the sales conversations. So what our CSM team tried to do was really partner you know, with our, our sales folks and establish uh, you know, some criteria that we needed some answers to and, and essentially kind of articulate um, you know, a handoff sheet you know, during the sales process where you know, our AEs would do their best to kind of answer those questions along the way. And then we would meet you know, once the deal closed and try to fill in the rest of the blanks and have a little bit of an internal conversation there. And then what we did as a CSM team is we started to populate that information into our uh, you know, success plan template, if you will, where... Um, you know, depending on the requirements, the technical requirements our clients had, uh, you know, we'd start planning on what that implementation looked like and start working with our implementation team to ensure that materials were going to be prepared in advance and that we had the right contacts with our clients. So, you know, quick, you know, uh, you know use case here is that a lot of our, uh, you know, clients were Fortune 500s and, you know, these are very large companies where we didn't always know who we were going to be working with on the turnover of the deal. So we had to do a lot of, you know, discovery to figure out who was going to help us get access to, you know, the back end of the site, who was going to get access to, 
you know, the front end to put tags on and that sort of thing. So it was very important to have all of those details before our onboarding kickoff call so that that call could go smoothly and we could set the right expectations around joint accountability, which is always another fun conversation that you know, sounds like we'll probably get into another time. Yeah. But I think it's, the, the point I like, you, I like that you made, Sean, was a distinction, um, and I think about this a lot too, between kind of the internal handoff call, which it sounds like you guys have, or the internal kind of uh, sheet of, of paper of notes, you know, however that's processed, whether it's through Salesforce or a Google Doc. Uh, but then you also mentioned that having a, an actual external facing success plan, that is, you know, where we're taking some of that information, we're distilling it down, and then we're presenting it back to the customer to kind of reinforce why they bought, um, reinforce, you know, what's going to happen moving forward. And then that becomes like kind of a living document. And so I like the way you, you actually articulated that you've got kind of two separate things that you guys are looking at for that, that transition. Absolutely. And, and, you know, to be honest, you know, it wasn't always the smoothest process. I mean, this stuff is never collected in a linear fashion. I'd say, you know, as, as you look at the different areas of improvement, this was definitely one of the areas where there was continuous improvement. And every single time we went through the process, it was a little bit better. And, you know, our goal was to try to you know, automate some of this through Salesforce. And you know, even though the company was a bit on the smaller side, we never got there. You know, it was helpful to you know, have that, that plan in place. Everyone, you know, for the most part was contributing to trying to you know, ensure that that was a smoother process each time that the team went through it together. Yeah. And I think another point to think about um, as well is just, maybe even asking the question of uh, typically sales teams are using methodologies, right? There are tons of, of different ways that they're um, learning, you know, their sales techniques and there's different certifications they can get. Um, so a team might be running, you know, a specific sales methodology that you can just ask the question like, Hey, what methodology are you using? Um, if you can go do a little bit of research yourself on that, you might be able to pick up on uh, the nomenclature they're using or, you know, the, the questions that they might be asking and you can actually kind of tap into that as well. So I think that's a good question to, to maybe ask your, your sales team is just, Hey, what methodology are we using uh, as a way to, to get that? Uh, Adam, let's, let's hit on you real quick and then we'll, uh, We'll probably transition questions right after that. Yeah, I mean, I would say one one thing that's become pretty, become pretty apparent with our with our enterprise accounts where I'm at is trying to make sure that the success plan gets every level involved, right? Because it's it's one thing where how, how you're measuring the success in executive leadership versus champion, and then even on like a user level, right? So really trying to bring all those together because I feel like you know in instances where we haven't had great adoption, that's disconnected, right? So really trying to connect all three of those layers at the internal, uh, you know, for our customer is, is huge. And, and that's really where the step is, is, is bridging all those together. And that's really yeah. No, I think it's a good point, right? You have to get the multiple stakeholders involved. How, um, where do you find yourselves doing that success planning process? Uh, it sounds like Sean was doing it um, kind of post and right after the initial sale. It sounds like they were introducing that success plan into, into the organization. Um, but what about you, Adam? Where are you guys doing that? So we're doing it uh, two. We're doing it two days after the sale. So you know that's how we're trying to help them because you know we're saying, hey, here's where we find that most institutions are successful in the banking space, and then we're really trying to make sure we're reinforcing what they think success is today, and then we actually call back to what they said was success on day two versus when they are what they measured success on like six months in, right? Because that changes so much from what they think they bought to what they what they actually bought and what they're actually able to implement as well, right? So I, I think being able to help them understand that success is is this target that has a tendency to morph and move, but as long as the, the, the spirit is there, then we, we actually have some form of, of, of measurement there. Yeah, um, so it sounds, I think uh, there, the, the question earlier, right, was just around how early for success planning, and I think uh, those are two good examples that Sean and Adam, you guys brought, brought up just about it happening pretty much right after that initial sale, right? Um, I would say it's probably logged in Salesforce. Uh, we kind of closed uh, all the contracts and everything signed that we needed, and then that probably starts the process for you guys internally to, to do that. I think that's generally what we um, have heard as well is, um, you know, trying to, to get that information. The, the thing I think that is interesting to think about around the success plan is um, trying to figure out how you can get as much information filled out from the sales team during that process. Um, I think, Sean, you made this point, right, which is they're having all these conversations already. There's so many great things that they're learning. It might be not in chronological order that they're learning all this information. And so um, even kind of setting the expectation with sales ahead of time to say, hey, here's our success plan. Here's the type of information that I would love to have and, and be able to work with. Um, in order for us to establish the relationship and help that, you know, give them a heads up so that they might be able to start thinking about how they can fill out that information. 
um, alongside of you, I think is a, a big part. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left, so I just want to hit on this last question. Um, I think it was from Jeremy, actually, just around um, how, you, how are you establishing some relationships internally with um, your other sales counterparts? So, uh, you know, do you typically work with maybe one to two sales reps, and that's generally how you're establishing a relationship? Is there, uh, you know, are there other company functions that are kind of bridging the gap between customer success and sales that you guys are, uh, are doing that? But what's, uh, I don't know if anybody wants to, to raise their hand real quick, just a minute or two. To talk about you know what are some ways that you're trying to build that relationship with sales to help smooth the transition help to create better lines of communication establish um establish just a, a good base working base between those two go ahead gabriel there's no one else right um so we have we have weeklies with our sales team and you know we discuss matters with them and, and they you know they always stay for the full meeting which i think is helpful at times so they get a big picture of everything that we're working on when we do uh, weekly syncs and then we also have a monthly, which you know could be a bi-weekly maybe, but it's a monthly meeting where it's just like directly CSM sales because the weekly is probably like, it's got products, it's got sales, it's got a few other teams marketing in there. Um, so then CS and sales meet directly once a month, but we're also doing a lot of just chat in between. I feel like just building relationships with people is one of the key things, actually getting to know them and making human connection with the people yeah. that you're working with goes a really long way, right? Ziv would say that, I bet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think obviously having a cadence set up where you are meeting and have an agenda that you're touching on on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, but then also just building relationships with them. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Kevin, you want to come up, go ahead and come off mute? Yeah, so uh, to, to piggyback uh, on uh, what Gabriel was saying here, uh, was when it comes to uh, what we're trying to do over at uh, Ring Central is that we're trying to uh, kind of create uh, joint plays uh, with, with sales. So one of the first things that I usually do when um, I have a handoff from, from sales of a new account is one of the things that I ask is, is there anything that could have been sold that you thought they were a good, uh, a good prospect for that we couldn't close in the, in the initial stages that I can provide more value organically through creating a value story? Um, and if there's anything like, oh yeah, we had a conversation around uh, getting them into contact center, um, but uh, they were saying that uh, it's something they'll look into in the future, then that's, uh, that's something where, okay, future, that, that sounds great. It seems that there's some interest we can start building towards that future uh, by showing all the different things that we can do right now, but also how the other products that they haven't purchased interacts with the products that they did uh, purchase. So creating that value story makes it, uh, makes it a whole lot easier for uh, them to keep moving. I, I kind of equate it to like buying a Harry Potter book where you, you have the immediate um, immediate story uh, plots that are, are, are fixed at the end of the story, but you still have that, that underlying issue with Voldemort at the end that you want to still <laughs> see through. So you've, you may have slayed the dragon in the beginning, but there, there's that bigger uh, enemy that's waiting in the wings that we need to create that story where it just makes sense for them to purchase the next volume, the next uh, book to get to uh, where they need to be. So that, that's, that's what we look to accomplish over, over at Ring Central. Yeah, I love that, love that question, um, Kevin, that you just introduced there, you know, just kind of asking right at the beginning, like, hey, was there something that you were hoping to sell or that they were interested in that they, they weren't able to pull the trigger on? And, and then how do you, right? Because you've essentially got a period of time now to, to set that up for uh, kind of the next sale, right? I think that's mm -hmm. always what we're trying to do is we have the next sale and whether no matter if you want to think about it or not, there's always a renewal coming, which is tech, technically a sale. There's an upsell or cross-sale opportunity, right? So there's, we're always setting it up for um, some sort of commercial activity. And so at least trying to establish that early on, I think is a great one. Um, Adam, you've got like 60 seconds and then I'm going to cut you off, but I want to hear your, your thoughts on this too. Yeah, no, I would say uh, our team has done a really, really good job of owning the um, reference material. So, you know, really as we're trying to onboard prospects and, and engage 
prospects, our CSN team actually owns those requests from our sales team. So it's kind of like this forced relationship building that we have. And prior to COVID, we were actually doing client-led prospecting meetings where we would go to New York, for instance, and would have one of our key customers there actually do a demonstration for prospects. So what it really does is it helps mutually invest our sales team to help us with adoption and sell well, but also too, it allowed us to get exposure to them. And then we've actually had a very fluid conversation since then. That's awesome. That is such a good example, like getting customer stories. And I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of that, like a customer presenting uh, like that in front of some other prospects, but that is sweet. That's an awesome idea and love that, uh, what that can bring. So um, perfect. I'm glad I called on you before we ended here. It's a good good little insight. Uh, Awesome. Well, uh, we like to end these things on time. So we've got about two minutes. Um, really appreciate you guys coming to this this first one. Uh, hopefully there was some initial value. We're going to, I think these are going to get better over time, right? We're going to all start to feel a little bit more comfortable. We're going to start to uh, open up and share more, but I think uh, there were some good insights that people shared, which is really exciting. Uh, a couple of things to think about just about uh, in the sales pipeline. What are some of those stages that we're going to be introducing CSMs? What are some of the thresholds that maybe that happens? Um, how we're being strategic about that? Um, researching executives. So as Diana mentioned, I think that's a great point. Like if you're going to go establish a relationship, no better place to start than a LinkedIn profile. Hit on that really easy. Um, try and figure out what they're learning. And then uh, asking about potentially sales methodology that your team's using, uh, starting to think about the question that Kevin introduced, how, how you know, what potentially are they um, didn't buy or do they want to buy? Uh, you can really uh, start off the relationship there. So uh, love that. And, you know, as we end this meeting today, a couple of things as we go forward. One, we're going to have this again next week. So you'll get the invite again. Hopefully you guys will come. Uh, feel free to share it out. Start telling people. Um, I'm going to send a survey. So one of the things that we want to do is we want to evolve this and adapt it very quickly. I thought this format would work for today. Uh, but now I want to hear from you. Like, do we like it? Do we not? How do we introduce, um, you know, just a better, more valuable format where you guys can get value out of it? Um, hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen well. to the Gain, uh, Grow, Diana, Retain Kevin, podcast. Uh, if you liked uh, what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Really appreciate everyone's contribution. This was exciting for me. Can't wait to see you guys again.